Hello, you are about to listen to another episode of Beyond Clean, a podcast where we talk about everything that is healthy, positive, and proactive. I am your host, Dave Thompson. Yes, we are in Season 4. We broadcast out of Orlando, Florida. This is where the cleaning industry talks about everything that is healthy, positive, and proactive. We would love to have you on the show, so reach out to me, D. Thompson at academyofcleaning.com or at 888-999-6059. Be sure to listen to our live streaming that we will be doing this year on Podbean. Now, for today's show, let's get started. I noticed there are some questions here. Uh, I'm going to get to those, but I think what we need to do is probably get through our information here. Um, so pardon me if I'm not looking at your questions at the moment. I did recognize those. I'll try to get those at the end, but I want to make sure we get to the questions and get our last exam in. So I, I haven't forgot your questions. I'm going to move through these fairly quick because I believe you can read most of this information. There's not a lot that I want to add to here when we start on page 37, when we start talking about chemicals. I will tell you that alcohol has been around. We're using instant hand sanitizer with alcohol in it. But to use alcohol to clean a surface or to sanitize a, a surface is not going to be really effective. Uh, it is a good disinfector, disinfectant. However, alcohol doesn't kill spores. And you'll see this on several of these slides as we talk about this. It is highly flammable, it dries the skin out, and it's an irritant. And if you get it on gloves, well, uh, I think you probably know what it's going to do to a uh, pair of rubber gloves. So that being said, it cannot be considered a green and healthy product. Mm -hmm. Now, you're probably going to see that also mentioned several times on the list of these products that not very many of these are going to be a green and healthy product because they're simply not. Alcohol is something we use. It's simply not used on surfaces by and large. Okay, so here's our bleach. Uh, what everybody wants to talk about, it's easily found at a grocery store, supermarket, it's relatively cheap. Uh, it is effective against odors, mold, mildew, and several organisms. Here's the point. Not all organisms. And it degrades to sodium chloride, basically table salt, if it's left in a solution, in a bottle, in certain circumstances. So um, if you will, if you're going to use bleach, it has to be mixed on a regular basis and it has to be um, renewed, if you will. So it's got some limitations. You know, just simply mixing it by itself and putting it on the shelf and then using it for weeks on end, you're more than likely not going to be uh, doing any disinfection at all. It's simply going to be a cleaner. And why use bleach to clean? The other thing is, is that it does create a poisonous gas I cannot tell you in my career how many times I have heard people um, going to the hospital after an unintentional mixing of bleach with something else. You may have heard this last year where uh, a store manager at a Buffalo Wild Wings died 
because an acid and a bleach were mixed together. It was unintentional, that I am sure. However, the outcome was still the same. The gentleman still died. There is no purpose, there is no reason that we should be using bleach in the commercial cleaning and disinfection when we have the choices available to us that we do. That doesn't mean it doesn't work. It just means why do I want to put myself at risk with that? Now, what should I do? Well, I'm not telling you what you should or shouldn't. I am simply going through these to inform you so that you can make better choices. Hydrogen peroxide, or in some cases, hydrogen peroxide that's been accelerated with an additive product. That does not mean that you take this little brown bottle and go home and mix some orange juice with it. Uh, I, I mean, I cannot tell you how many people try these kind of shenanigans. Uh, we are not chemists. We are professional uh, environmental services staff. We, we do not mix products at, uh, uh, to make things to work. In other words, the list that I showed you before, that's home remedies. We are not cleaning at home. You have employees, they have workers right to know laws. You are liable for people in their lives. What you do at home and what we do commercially is totally different. So this peroxide product, it is environmentally safe. It breaks down into water and oxygen, much like some of the chlorine-based products do. So whenever it's used on a surface, it is safe to be used on that surface. It's been around as an EPA registered disinfectant for numbers of years. Now you might see the picture here, and I did want to show you this because I have people all the time go, oh, that stuff burned me. No, it did not. It felt like it did. If in fact you ever have used hydrogen peroxide on an open cut, it burns like holy you know what. And that is the hydrogen peroxide removing the impurities from your skin and doing it in, almost instantly. If you use a hydrogen peroxide-based uh, disinfectant, you may get that on your skin. What's happening is it is working and it's removing the body oils from your skin so fast that it feels like it's burning. I always tell people this is why you use gloves, this is why you use uh, face shields when you're using any kind of chemicals and you're mixing them. I don't care what they are. Now that being said, what you wanna also do is have some hand lotion ready and all you need to do is put the moisture back in your skin. It'll burn for a little while, but it goes away. It's not burned like if I put my hands into the fire. Now these are kind of green, although as, as uh, Daryl said, can't be said on the label because of their low pH and the fact that they don't really leave behind harmful agents on that surface. And you've heard Dave say, I'm a very big proponent to that. I don't want to leave something on the surface for me to touch. Phenolics, you heard Daryl talk about phenolics. This is one of the other items. You also notice that it says that it's corrosive. If you look at your SDS, you will find out that phenolic disinfectants are corrosive to skin. Not only skin, but other surfaces as well. They may or may not, and you're going to have to look for this, for OSHA bloodborne pathogen standards. So again, again we talked about that earlier uh, shortly. Make sure that you look at that. 
but it also is very specific in there that it has to be pre-cleaned of soils like blood and body fluids. Now, the problem with phenolics, corrosive is one, but also they can depigment your skin. So a, a person of color, it can just turn their skin white. A person that's Caucasian, it can make spots. So here again, you have to make sure that you use these right. And by all means, if you're using these and you're around any children or infants, um, these products can create uh, some other various disability, uh, dis, dis, yeah. trying to talk too fast, far, sorry folks. <clears throat> Uh, they can uh, lead to jaundice, and, and this is not something good. So phenolics are not something that we widely use. What we do use a lot in the industry is quaternary ammonium compounds. Although quaternary ammonium compounds, as you can see, are corrosive to the skin. However, they have a wide range of effectiveness because they're broad spectrum, and they also are very low in cost compared to some of the products that we've already mentioned. Now, here's some other problems. Fibers such as cotton can absorb their uh, ingredients and make them less functional. Now, what this is called is this is called quat binding. I'm not going to get into this too much, but I felt like I needed to instruct you on this because just like the bleach water, if I leave the bleach water in the container too long, it becomes inactive. If I leave my mops sitting in or my wipes sitting in uh, quat water, the quat can be absorbed into the fibers and then not be effective on the surface that I'm taking care of. This is why I am a very big proponent of using the squirt top to squirt it on agitate it, and then use a squeegee to remove that. Here's the problem, and Daryl talks about this when we get further into healthcare, is that this uh, quat binding, then through the process of the quat binding to the material, then becomes that the, the, the product is now what he calls off-label, because it's now not doing what the label says it can do. And this is what happens many times when people are using a quat, they come back with their ATP and they can't figure out what's happening. Many times this is the issue that's happening. Now, all of this you've heard, always talking all day long. We need to look at the literature. We need to look at the labels. I'm not gonna go this anymore. You know by now, by the end of this day, a long day, I agree. Use caution, read that label. Make sure that we've removed the water, the, the, the load before. Hard water, dilution rates, organic material on there, contact time. These are the things that we're talking about that make a difference. Everything else that we've talked about, you also now have to worry about these because this label is a legal and enforcing document. We are here to save lives. The only reason that we're doing everything that we've talked about for the last five and a half hours is to save lives. If you do not do this according to the label, it cannot do, it cannot kill the items and the, the pathogens that you're after. 
And if you're not after a specific pathogen, if this is not what you're there for, then why are you going through this whole process? Don't use a disinfectant. Just squirt water on it and wipe it off and walk on. If that's what you're really there to do, because simply using it, spraying it on and wiping it off meets nothing on this label at all. So that being said, that's a quick, easy, dirty on chemicals, probably a lot less than what you expected because I don't want to lay a whole lot of this on chemical. You're going to have to go to your supplier, the distributor that you've got a relationship with. My point is this, look at the labels, read the, the precautionary statements, look at the SDS, look at the um, dilution rates, find out if these are products that you can use, find out if the location that you're working in approves that product, Look for that hospital-grade disinfectant when I'm looking at MRSA, norovirus, COVID-19. I can't use a general-purpose disinfectant. You asked questions earlier of Dave Ryman about the electrostatic sprayer. He doesn't care what product you use through it. It's a device that delivers it out. He only cares that you use the right product to do the right thing. When it comes to the chemical, that choice is yours. What we've taught you today is it's only one component of a very complex subject. Now there's other options to what we've talked about as far as chemicals. One of those is steam vapor. Now, whenever I go to steam vapor, this is when I'm taking tap water under low pressure, low moisture, and I'm creating a steam vapor, 240 to 310 Fahrenheit. This is not something that comes out of your tap. This is not something that you take a shower in. That is hot water. Now there may be vapor, there may be steam that comes off of that, but it is not at this degree. So whenever you're looking at this, this vapor that is going through here is created by a very specialized machine that is creating that vapor. Also recognize that you're only using four to 6% water. This is why you can use it on most electronics and it doesn't fry them out. I'll talk about this in just a, a moment. There's another one that you can use and this is UV lights. UV lights have been used in the hospital arena, I know for at least a dozen years. Uh, somebody always asks about, about this is, you know, what, what's this, it's how, you know, how much is one of these? I've heard that these are somewhere in the area of 30 to $60,000. It takes a very specialized technician and you also see the, um, if you will, the radiation outfit that they have to wear. Whenever you go into this room and you set one of these devices up, this room has to be totally clean like you see here. There is no visible soil anywhere. This room is, they have cleaned it to the nth degree before they can go in with one of these machines. You cannot use this machine and not pre-clean. I've seen people say, oh, I'll get that little wand and I'll go over the door handle. Did you clean the door handle first? Did you disinfect the door handle first? Well, no, I got a UV machine. You can't do that. Very, very specific in how you do these because Bacterias and viruses are killed by, by the UV light, 
but not the spore. And if you're in this kind of a situation, you have to be very concerned. Are, do I need a sporicidal product? Because a UV won't do that. So there's a whole lot of things I need to do. One of the others that's popular out there, and one of the podcasts that I did last week was with a gentleman that was from this company here talking about probiotics. What probiotics do is instead of using chemicals, they, they use probiotic cleaners to actually go in and use good bacteria to fight the bad bacteria. So what they're doing is they're creating bio detergents that detoxify the surface and break down dirt and grime with the bacteria. Remember, there's this one thing, I mean, I can't believe how many people think that we're here to eradicate all bacteria. You can't. So what probiotics do, and you will see this like in yogurt and other types of things that we put into our body, we put those in so that the good bacteria can help with our digestion. And that's removing the bad bacteria to flush it through. So what they have found is somebody has asked, and you'll see this in some of the protocol that we've written that you have in your book right here today, is when you get through with all the processes we've talked about, it might be a good thing to put the probiotic product into your electrostatic sprayer and as a final measure, spray the probiotics on the surface. If you want to learn more, listen to the podcast that I did uh, last Monday, and it will talk more about that. Basically, more good bacteria on the surface overwhelms the bad bacteria, and they keep fighting each other when you're not there and you're not present. And so that helps keep a good flora on the surface while people are going around and doing their thing. Now, I know I am moving through this fairly quickly. I hope that's not a problem for most of you. I'm going to tell you that I have included on page 49, this is section 14, the decontamination of areas. Now, I don't have this on the screen because this is basically information. I am not going to read through this. I'm not going to talk about it a whole lot other than what I wanted to do is give you some basic guidelines that we have written for other facilities. You may be a school, you may not be, but I think you can use some of this. So here on page 50, I have a K through 12 example. And it goes through what a frontline technician should do if they're going in to decontaminate a school. And I'm just going to kind of highlight some of the, the, the things here uh, very quickly. Remember that you're going into a contaminated area. So the first thing you do is to wash your hands when you go in. Don't clock in. Wash your hands, put on your gloves, and then you clock in. Now, the other thing that you're going to do here is you're going to process the custodial closet first. So think about this. You go in, what is the first thing that you're going to start touching? Your, your equipment, your tools, your machines. So decontaminate those first. I find that steam vapor is a very good thing for this. Steam vapor is very slow. But when I'm talking about my equipment and tools, I'm not talking about a lot of surface area. And it's very quick. It can sanitize those surfaces. 
very quickly and easily, that's where I would say steam vapor would be a good thing. Um, do that closet first. Now, don't forget the chair that you sit in while you're there, the phone that you use, the desk that you use, whatever is in that custodial area that you're going to be touching throughout the day while you're there servicing. Next thing, what about the restroom that you're going to use as a service personnel? Typically in a school, we have staff restrooms and we have general uh, restrooms, public restrooms. Usually the staff, the cleaning staff uses their own restroom. They don't use the public one. So what I want you to do is think about how does that frontline technician stay safe? They're gonna to go to their restroom and clean it first because they're gonna use it multiple times a day while they're there. Then the thing is, is they're going to go to the stairwell or the elevators. Typically our school environments today are not all on one level. We're going to go multiple levels. So if they're gonna go into a stairwell or they're gonna go into an elevator, I'm gonna take care of those areas next. What you can see is, as I've outlined here, step-by-step, step, not protocol of what to do, but what surfaces I need to look at as I go through to keep that person safe. Now it also says administrative areas, because here's the thing, the school may be closed down, I'm in there decontaminating the school, but there's also other people that have come in there, usually administrative staff that are trying to get something done. Let's take care of their areas. Let's do those areas. I'm not concerned about the classrooms at this point or the gymnasium or the weight room at this point. I'm concerned about the people that are going to be coming in. Those people should have washed their hands and should have their gloves on too. Remember, this is a contaminated area. So I need to make sure that I have covered all those things. I've also listed all of the touch points or fomites, if you will, and what to do. And you also notice that I put down here E. You might see this on page 51. It says, as a preventive measure, apply barrier products via electrostatic sprayers as best practice services, okay? So again, that's using that possibly the probiotic through the electrostatic sprayer and putting it onto those surfaces after I've done that. So it's they're working all day long while we're decontaminating the rest of the building. I want to do as much as I possibly can. I'm in a decontamination situation. This isn't general cleaning that we're talking about. I'm gonna go then to the gymnasium, the athletic areas, the weight rooms, the wrestling rooms. I'm gonna do the hallways, wrestling, you know, recreational and sporting equipment, transportation vehicles, people. If the building is contaminated, find out if those people have been on a transportation vehicle. Chances are, they have been at some point. Now, I can't go and decontaminate their personal vehicle, but you wanna find out if they've been on any one of your public transportation. I'm going to do the floors last. And you might see that I underlined something here on page 56. It says, do not use or do not consume valuable service personnel time on polishing floor finish. I just cannot understand folks, and this is a little bit of my own personal, it's hard for me to do this without throwing a little bit of that in. Why are we worried about polishing the floor finish when we have so much other, so many more other areas that are more important to the health and the safety? 
if we're in this situation which we are in today, why are we polishing floor finish and stripping floors and waxing floors? I, I just cannot understand this, not in this time that we're in today. Now, the last thing here is measuring outcomes. This is probably to me, of all the things that we've talked about in the five and a half hours that you've been with me, one of the most important things. If we do not measure our outcomes like I just showed you a minute ago, how do I know if what we're doing, everything that I've put in place is actually working? So here's a couple of ideas of, of measuring devices, transparent markers. These are simply a marker that you mark on certain surfaces as a manager, supervisor, owner, to go and make sure that you can walk back through with your UV light and go over them and see that the surface had been serviced. The only problem I have with this is that what it does is it simply tells me that it's been serviced. It does not validate the quality of that service. So to that point, I'm then going to add using the ATP meter. And um, this is the mod, I did put this down here. This is, um, I will say, here at the academy, we have not been proven that there's a better way. Now, some people I did see on the chat here to ask about what kind of ATP I, I suggest. Um, I've been using this system for 12 years or so. I find nothing wrong with it. I use the manufacturer's recommendations for the numbers. And I go by their protocol. These devices came from the food service industry. So if if in fact a food processing plant uses this device to make sure that the food that I consume is safe before it's prepared, packaged, and sent to me to purchase, then I feel that it's a great validation process for what I'm doing. And as you see, I gave you a quick down and easy. You saw the video. This is something that you can do anywhere, anytime. This device, I believe should be just as important in your um, list of tools as an electrostatic sprayer. I, you know, I just can't understand how come we're not validating what we're doing, but people just want to believe that by spraying some product and by saying we did the thing right that we did, I'll tell you that it's human nature to shortcut. And you, as a manager, an owner, a supervisor, you have to do due diligence. And numbers don't lie. This meter used correctly, used appropriately, and then tracked. You know, if I were in the contracting business, I would tell you, anybody can say anything. I can put anything on a screen. I can put anything on a piece of paper. I can make a video to say anything you want me to say. But how do I validate it? If you cannot validate your outcomes, then what are you really doing? So my question, after all of this, is one simple thing. What type of a service, surface, do you want to be leaving for that person to come in contact with? Because everything that you're doing, I don't care how cheap or expensive that it is, Labor is still your number one cost of doing business. So as you go through all of this, there's all kinds of things to consider.
but I want you to think about what type of a surface that you're leaving. Now, Dave kind of mentioned a little bit about this, and here's where I kind of differ with some people. I do not believe in just spraying a disinfectant on and then walking away and letting it air dry. You washed your hands when we took a break. You did not leave soap on your hands. Whenever you eat your food off of your plates, you don't sit it into the sink of soapy water without rinsing. You don't go to the laundromat or have somebody clean your clothes without rinsing. My belief, and I have checked with all of the chemical suppliers and behind the scenes, of course, they're not gonna put this on the label, but all chemistry leaves a film. My best advice to you is that if it's a smooth, flat surface, regardless of whether it's horizontal or vertical or horizontal, that squeegee, that eight, nine, 10, $20 squeegee is your best friend. If I can use it on a window, why can't I use it everywhere else? Regardless of what chemical you use ahead of it, regardless of whether I use an electrostatic sprayer or a pump sprayer or a squirt top, I will tell you my, my best advice at the end of the day, I'm gonna tell you the most expensive tool that you can use is a simple handheld squeegee. Anywhere and everywhere that you can. I have been doing these tests for years and I challenge anybody to come along and use anything else that's going to give me a lower number than doing all of this stuff and following it by water, rinse, and a squeegee. I wanna do all of the other things ahead of it, but my finishing touch, I want to leave the best surface possible, the most healthy. You know what, I go to the car wash and they have this dry agent that dries it off and there's no spots. I don't want anything left on that surface. Let's do our last test. We've got 15 minutes and we'll close this out and let you get on with your afternoon or your evening, wherever you're at. 